When you have a culture that is truthfully about freedom and responsibility, it doesn't matter if people are surfing at 10 a.m., they will take responsibility. And that's all it matters in the end of the day. In Safety Wing, we measure output and not input. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Digital Nomads Daily Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about remote work culture. Super important specifically for the digital nomads in this space, because not everyone is a freelancer. Some people just want to have a remote job and steady pay and being part of an amazing team. But unfortunately, it's still really challenging for companies. There's one company that's doing a really, really great job, and that is Safety Wing. So I am really happy to have here the head of culture of Safety Wing. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) All right. So I always start my episode with a few quick questions for my audience to kind of get a vibe of who you are. And my first question is, where are you talking from right now? Oh, I'm uh, in Medellin, Colombia. Beautiful, beautiful city. Sweet. Still on my list. Haven't been there yet. So how long have you been nomading? Because you're currently not nomading, right? That's right. Yes, yes, yes. So by the, say, the middle of the pandemic, I stayed like a hundred years in a uh, hundred years, a hundred days. <laughs> Felt like a hundred years uh, indoors in my uh, apartment in Lima, and it was awful. So you know, after those one hundred days, I couldn't take it anymore, and 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 we decided to do the polar opposite to just start traveling. I have a wife and two kids, and so we 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 did it. We did it for a year and a half, maybe, uh, and it was really fun. I love it. It's also really funny that you started sort of nomading during the pandemic. Um, And I think it's so great because it also shows that, you know, like, even though um, the pandemic was like non-travel and everything because the world was in kind of a shaky space, um, it's still really cool that then people decided to go nomading because they didn't want to be locked up in their home. It was awful to travel during that time, as you probably know. I mean, airports were crazy and you kind of was were able to just go to a handful of places. But it, I mean, I guess the pandemic put it in, into perspective, right? So it was something like my, my thought was like, so we don't know what's going to happen. We might all die. So why don't we travel now that we can? Oh, I'm happy that we didn't all die. So, <laughs> but it could have been. I mean, the world is, uh, it, it's crazy. Really? All right. So you have been nomading for, for that time. How are you like currently uh, included like in the digital nomad community? Uh, that's an interesting question for me. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know how to measure that. Uh, I don't know if I'm... <laughs> if I feel very much included, but I guess my perspective is that everywhere I go, not everywhere, but most places I go or some places I go, I see these other people like myself, particularly uh, in like coffee shops. Um, I'm, I'm a big coffee fan. And every time I go to like a fancy, like specialty coffee type of place, I always, you know, you, you, you can recognize the type, you know, cool backpack, MacBook Pro, race if it's raced it's like this is a pro this is a pro traveler (laughs) and and you kind of feel this kinship and it seems like people are more open for connection and for conversation and are even kind of looking for it that's something that you feel more than you perceive technically so i guess that's how i feel a a part of that community but it's nothing too uh, concrete 
But it it makes sense because I do feel like that whenever I meet people, even though they're not really digital nomads, actually, I, I had it just here in Bucharest. I've, I have like LinkedIn friends and LinkedIn is great for that. And then I meet someone at a coffee shop and it's just like you instantly connect. You instantly have great conversations. And it's honestly like, you know, this person already. It's just because it's so like-minded. And that's what I personally really love about digital nomads. Yeah, the travel is fun and it's sexy and all of these things, but it's more like the people itself. It's like, it's so cool when you, when you meet people from your tribe, like that's a really nice feeling. (laughs) Yeah, now that's a good way to put it. Uh, I believe it has to do a lot with the, like the culture of the internet. Like this thing that happened that say began late nineties and, and that most of us, uh, that travel uh, are part of, I think that culture of the internet, which is like heavily influenced by the English language, but it's like a combination of many things. Uh, but that culture brings us together and we have some sort of common ground and, and common culture that might be part of it. Yeah. Cool. So we're going to talk about more about culture um, because obviously like in a company, company culture is extremely important. Um, Not just, you know, to keep up the good vibes, but it's also, you know, if people are happy, they are also probably willing to put more like input in their work. Um, So what does it really mean for you to be head of culture at Safety Wing? And and what is, what do you actually do? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. what do I do? What and what does it mean? Um, every culture, everywhere, not not only in companies, I believe that uh, every culture is constantly evolving, um, like every second, and it evolves by the actions of the people who are part of that culture. So, I don't think there is such a thing as as a um, a, a single culture leader. I, I don't think that's possible. Um, so what I do, I believe, is I hear, that's probably my most important instrument, I hear everyone in the company. So I have these one-on-one meetings with everyone in the company. So I have access to a lot of information. And, and by the way, the, the, the like, amazing side effect of that is that I get to have relationships with everyone in the company. Um, an amazing perk, almost. Uh, but so I hear... Um, I reflect back the information that's in- super useful. And that's something that I'm, I'm sort of learning recently. So you hear, you aggregate, you discern, and you reflect back. And then that seems to be, seems to add like a layer of transparency and trust um, with everyone. So everyone feels, I believe, in the loop and aware of the situation. In Safety Wing, I don't know if this is super weird, but I think it's a little weird. Uh, that people are super happy all the time. Like our internal uh, net promoter score is an average of nine, which is insane, constantly. I've been here for two years. Um, So people are very happy. And and we have like the the seasonal issue, right? This always changes, always progress, and it always exists because the team feels a lot of ownership for the the company. so again, I, I listen, I reflect back, I communicate to the people that can solve those issues. Um, and I believe that's my, my primary uh, responsibility um, in the company. My, part of my title is also uh, has the word integrity. So I'm head of culture and integrity. 
And I believe that one is also important and even more mysterious. Being, it's it's sort of, I guess, protecting our long-term vision against our short-term interest or something like that. It seems like you can measure integrity in a company like that. Uh, yeah, so that's a long answer. <laughs> that's kind of what I do. That's really cool. So, um, so everyone is happy. That that's great to hear. And I think it's also like, especially for like people that want to live alive on their own terms, and yeah, specifically okay. for the audience that we have. Like, you know, there are a lot of remote job seekers. Um, yeah. but what's sometimes challenging about this whole remote job situation is that like you don't know what kind of culture you enter and mm-hmm. coming from a more personal experience i was part of a company and it was it was a pretty shitty work experience because they were not integral with their values not no one was happy there was a lot of like chatter and like behind people's back and i i left that company because of that it was just like i was so burned out from all the negativity i'm so I know it is possible possible to have you know like good companies out there. Safety Wing is one of them. So um, let's say people are looking for a remote job and they want to understand like is this company offering a remote position and they also have a remote first culture? Like how how can you see that like from from the outside? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, that's what I was attracted to when I when I saw Safety Wing for the first time. How can you tell? There are a few very fundamental things like from the outside, right? Recruiting and applying for a job is like a blind date. There, there is no scientific way to know what you'll get. And people in recruiting are oftentimes misleading. Uh, like everyone works for the best company always, right? Including myself. Like <laughs> in, in my case, it seems to be true. I mean, to me, it is true. But um, how can you tell? Um Having um, uh, some sort of public version of company values is a, a, a good sign. Um, there are many versions of that. So in Safety Wing, we don't have like a web page with our values, mm-hmm. but we have other things. Like, for example, we have a, a podcast, right? Building remotely. And through that, that's even better because through that, you can experience the values. So our host is our CEO, uh, Sandra, and, and, and he's great. And you can... By listening to him, you can uh, infer the company culture and values. Uh, that is very accurate. But if not many companies have that, but uh, if they have a, a public page with their values and their values are not dumb, that's a very good sign. With dumb, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm offending someone, but with dumb, I mean uh, people first. I love that one because people first doesn't mean anything. It, it's just something made of to sound right and nice mm-hmm. it, it's not actionable if you have a value that is people that, that is something like people first you can use it instrumentally for whatever situation it's not clear i would look for something like for example we do we have a, a little book here that no one will be able to see but we have our values uh printed this is actually a project that i collaborated with a few very talented people it's like a kid's book uh with our values. Yeah. So for example, we have our value number two, one of my favorites, uh, be authentic. And the description for that is be the same on the outside as you are on the inside. Be brave enough to say what you think is true instead of what other people want to hear. That is a very actionable value because it provides you with a tool. So if you're in a situation in which you have to choose between following what everyone is doing or what you think will work, you have 
say, safety wings support to act in an authentic way because we want to go somewhere different. Um, so anyway, uh, look for, for clear, not dumb values and, 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 and uh, perhaps most importantly, look for a worthy mission. Um, if your mission is to be the number one uh, provider for the Midwest area, whatever, that's not a good mission. That is an instrumental mission. Uh, if your mission is go to Mars to become a, a, a multi-planetary species, that is an amazing uh, mission that uh, you can get behind. Is that Safety Wings' mission? <laughs> no, it's SpaceX. It's pretty good. <laughs> Our mission, which is amazing, is to uh, create the first country on the internet uh, to ensure equal uh, uh, freedom and equal opportunity. Mm -hmm. Love that. I also really love how, how you said that the value needs to be actionable so that people can use that as a tool. I think that that's a very strong, um, strong indicator. And I think that that's really smart. So when it comes to like like the communication in like inside safety wing like what are like ways that um like how safety wing ensures that well the communication is well but also that um um how do you say that yeah that the people are feel like comfortable communicating among each other do you guys have like certain policies for that um what is the vibe around that that's interesting. We do have a document that our, our founder CEO wrote a while back that is called uh, How to Treat People in Safety Wing. Um, that is a, a quite philosophical document. Um, so there is a challenge here. Mm, there are a couple of challenges. Uh, one is the general challenge of being a human being and communicating with other human beings uh, with different interests and, and different cultures and personalities, um, interests, different areas, different backgrounds and childhoods. I mean, it's really difficult <laughs> to communicate with people. But then we have this added challenge, which is kind of twofold. One is multicultural. Hmm. So we have people from everywhere. I'm Peruvian. I work very closely with a Canadian and a Norwegian person. So, and our cultures are completely different. We do have the internet culture as a sort of connective tissue, and it, it works very well. And then we have the remote work aspect. Video calls at best, a lot of uh, async communication. So how do we succeed? This is going to sound very reductive, but we hire great people. I think you be begin there. I mean, really hard to hire an asshole and make that person like behave with other people. So we hire very well and we hire for expertise, talent, and culture. I, sometimes I believe that expertise and talent can be, be balanced. If you have a lot of talents, maybe you don't need precise expertise, but then culture is a must. Um, and I define that as being naturally aligned with our mission, vision, and values and I'm making this up right now, but the second part, but being a person that you would enjoy having coffee with. I think we do that. We don't call it that, but <laughs> I think we do it. <laughs> and how does that, like, how would you even know that? Because it's probably a more like HR related question, uh, specifically focused on the recruiting, but 
because apparently you guys are doing that very well. Like, yeah, how, how do you know that? People are so far away, right? Like it's the internet, mm. you just have a screen, just, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, before I, I reply to that, uh, another thing is to have, uh, to the previous question, is to be compassionate with, with other people. Sometimes we have meetings at like 10 a.m. in the morning in the Americas, and it's like midnight in Bali, mm -hmm. and someone's there, and very tired understanding that uh, people are sometimes tired and stuff like that or people have kids or you know it's being compassionate with each other is, is good that's our 10th value uh, be good to each other that, that, that's the last one so how do you choose i can only speak speak from my own experience recruiting when i when i was applying and what i'm when i am consulted for whatever reason to uh to some recruiting process our interviews are pretty human and simple They're mostly conversations. Most of everyone will speak to our three founders. So we invest a lot of time, very valuable time, our top, say, our most valuable time in recruiting. I remember my interviews. I spoke to four people, our three founders and Mats, who was back then our, our chief financial officer. And I remember them as speaking with good friends about mm -hmm. art and politics and history and worldview and difficult concepts. So I think when you do that, you can feel the other person in a natural way. Uh, mm -hmm. You can get a grasp for the other person's intelligence and talent and worldview, worldview, which is a big one. It seems like when you can speak with someone that can take something and dissect it and pull it apart and tear it down, you can sort of tell that that person has like a first principles mindset and can explore the world and can create a position that is unique and original and authentic. And if this person is kind and if this person's basically judging for our values, I believe that's the, that's the key. Cool. Love that. So how does it, how does it go like inside the company? So we already talked a little bit about the communication, right? But what are things that you are uh, doing on a daily basis to nurture that culture? Okay. So on a daily basis, I speak with people. We are close to 200, 180 team members, something. And I have uh, regular meetings with every single person. And that is so cool. And that's something that I kind of designed for my own role. That's cool about safe doing. Like you get here and then you, you get a blank canvas and you can sort of do whatever you think will work. So I thought it was a good idea to do that. And I think it is. Um, so that's something that I do on a daily basis. I summarize that information on a weekly basis. We have um, a culture survey that I send every other month, which adds more information. We have a tradition that we call Festivus, that's a Seinfeld reference, that it's all about airing your grievances with your team, you know, telling them how you dislike them. <laughs> um, and we do that every four months. That creates more information. So with that information, I do a few things. Uh, I do uh, uh, trackers so we can keep track of issues. We celebrate the big, the, the big things, the positive things. Um, I do something called the Culture Insights Report, which is a summarized high-level overview of only the top trends in our culture, the most mentioned things. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a busy, busy job. 
a lot like online, especially when it comes to uh, content around the future of work, remote work. I'm, I see a lot about like, don't have meetings, lots of async and all of that, which I think meetings are freaking exhausting, but I also, for me, and it depends on how you are. Like if I don't talk to anyone in my team, I feel extremely disconnected. So mm-hmm. I, I really love how you said that you are actually having a lot of meetings, but then when it really comes to the future of work, like how do you, what do you think when you read like that kind of content? Yeah. <laughs> Our style is maybe 75% asynchronous. It's, it's, it's highly autonomous, but we do have meetings, regular meetings. We have Monday meetings, we have Thursday meetings. Those are like an hour and a half each. I think that it's, okay, so before I, I'll tell you my perspective, I know that people have wildly different opinions about meetings. Some people hate meetings. Like they wish we didn't have any. Some people think we should have more meetings because they feel out of the loop. Some people are fine. Some people would like them shorter, longer. I mean, it, it's all over the place. There is no consensus. There is no consensus in time zones. There is no consensus on anything. My perspective is that our, our synchronous time is a, is a very important piece of our culture. Um, we have these times scheduled to see each other, to, to discuss, to sync to update other parts of the company. We have this time scheduled to socialize. That's interesting. We do these things uh, called chickity chats. Everything has a bird theme in safety wing. So we schedule time to meet random people, to have a, we have a, a benefit that is uh, for virtual meals that you can have with other people in the team. We have team gatherings. We have like full team gatherings, strategy team gatherings, uh, I don't think the future of work is completely asynchronous. Uh, I think I think that seventy five percent, seventy percent asynchronous is around the sweet spot. Cool. So, how many digital nomads do you have, more or less, in Safety Wing? <laughs> Ooh, I would say it's like a good thirty percent of the company. That's quite a lot. And I'm um, how does Safety Wing deal with maybe people? more, maybe more? I'm I'm not completely <laughs> sure, but at least thirty percent. Oh, it's a big number. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, so yeah, like I, I'm really curious about how, how you guys deal with that. People are changing countries, locations, yeah. um, or like time zones, uh, all, all of that. Like, yeah. do you carry out like any policies for that? Or is it just really like, you just like do what you want to do? I think it depends on the role. So I'm going to be very general here for, um, the strategy team who's the team in charge of strategy. I'd say that the only rule is that we have our fixed meeting times, which is 8 a.m. Pacific time, which so- mm-hmm. kind of sucks for people in the Pacific time zone and kind of sucks for people in Europe and let alone people in Asia. But it's sort of um, the, the best we could do while enabling people to construct routines, predictable routines. So I would say that that is the only rule. I can think of exceptions, like for example, customer care, the customer in the customer care team, if you have like a, a shift of time that you have to cover, um, then you have to talk to your manager and figure it out. But yeah, there is no uh, limit, I don't think. I haven't heard of it. Cool. And do you think that like there are no limits? So do you feel like that companies could perform properly with digital nomads in the company like how much would that affect 
the actual outcome and doesn't even it could also be like possible like more like on a positive note because why i'm asking is that i'm i think that every company that has like work that can be done like from a computer should have digital nomads because we're very curious very eager like open to other cultures and all of that so i'm always like yeah you should hire digital nomads not the whole company has to be like that but it's good to you know have a few here and there oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean I, I i would like flip it while preserving what you're saying kind of which is i don't think you should care about that you should care about meritocracy who's the best person for the job and if it can't be done from a computer what how does it matter to you i know that synchronous times are a thing if you if you're working from asia and you have to meet your team every day at 11 p.m 12 a.m feel free right but it's difficult but besides that and if you can figure that part out it it shouldn't matter at all. I, I don't I don't see why it should matter. Um, but you, you, what was the original question? There was something very interesting there. I, something like if you can be productive with a with a, pe- a team of uh, nomads or something like that. Yeah, like I I was asking about the the impact on like the progress or the the company performance. Right. Yeah. So because it's it's also like. Like, I'm not happy with this sort of vibe that companies have. Like, oh, I don't want to hire digital nomads because these people are just drinking coconuts and are not doing actually something. You know, like, it, it's complete bullshit. I think we work really hard just like other people. We're no, like, special species in that. Right. No, I think, and I think that's, um, I think people are revealing their expectations through their statement in that case. That is not true in our experience, but that, it's a culture thing. If you have a culture of, I'm stealing this from uh, Netflix, but uh, they have a culture of freedom and responsibility. And I think that's beautiful. They have a wonderful book called uh, No Rules Rules. So when you have a culture that is truly, truthfully, not like literally written somewhere, but it's truthfully about freedom and responsibility, it doesn't matter where people, if people are surfing at 10 a.m., they will, they will do, they will be responsible. They will take responsibility. And that's all it matters in the end of the day. That that's we in safety wing we measure, and this is something that we openly say and we are very proud of. We measure output and not input. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter when you do your your stuff. If you, if you do it, do great. Yeah, exactly. And then with output, um, or sorry, with input, you refer to like hours um, that you're online, right? Correct. Okay, cool. Just for also for our listeners too. Know that they understand that. So I'm also really curious about like the different sort of cultures that you have in in Safety Wing, right? And how you guys are celebrating that. I think that not everyone on this planet is celebrating Christmas or, you know, like people coming from different countries, they have different celebrations. And uh, yeah, I'm just really curious how, how you guys go about that. Yeah. I mean, technically, we have unlimited pay time off for everyone, or mostly everyone. So what you decide to celebrate, it's up to you. We, as a company, we do have a handful of like holidays. I think we celebrate Easter and then Christmas or something like that. I don't think we have designed it in any genius way. It's just something that happens. But some people don't celebrate those, and that's that. One of our own celebrations is called uh, Build Week. And during Build Week, which happens every quarter, 
we have like a one week to focus on whatever you want to do. And we have no meetings and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, you can basically do whatever you want with your celebrations and beliefs and time off. Cool. What is it that you did in your last built week? The last, <laughs> well, my role is not that uh, focused, but I remember uh, the previous one, during the previous one, I, with my amazing uh, partner, Lorena, we created all the assets for our internal podcast that we call Chirps. Uh, it's a podcast that tries to discover and celebrate what's unique about Safe to Wing by speaking with our own team members. Um, so we created the whole like intro graphics and we figured out the studio thing and the post-production. So it was actually extremely productive. Cool. Love it. So what is it called? Chirps? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's really cool. I think it's also really awesome that you guys have so many different like online like interactions, like there's a podcast, there's a book. There's so many different assets to kind of like give people a piece of that culture, which in a remote first culture like that's really hard also like yeah like i guess that's very challenging so that's a great inspiration for companies i really love that so i'm um, looking at something that you guys did in terms of celebrating culture like something that was very special or very unexpected like w what are you proud of mm. um i would say our team gatherings like kind of paradoxical for a remote team right uh, but our physical team gatherings are amazing. Like, I remember this one in Ljubljana, uh, like a couple of years ago or something, maybe a year and a half. It was right after the pandemic. So people were starting to travel again. And we didn't know, right? It was my first one. We didn't know where, whether to wear a mask or mm. how do we greet each other? Do we say hi? Do we... But what happens, right? No, no one knew. And we traveled, many of us traveled like 15 hours to get there and we were tired and sweaty. And, and Ljubljana, Ljubljana is such a magical city. I mean, it's like a fairy tale city. And when we arrived, all these months of weird social interactions, all this anxiety and nervousness about meeting your team, all these weird feelings together can explode it in the best way possible. Just, oh, people were hugging, laughing, you know, being human again after so long or, or what felt to be such a long time. That was pretty amazing. I remember that. I remember one in like the most recent one in uh, Bali. So amazing. It, two very different moments, right? Because in Ljubljana, we were like 30 people. In Bali, we were like 70. And it's different, right? This is a, this is a little monster of energy now. So definitely our, our team gatherings and how we celebrate. And within the team gatherings, my favorite stuff is always the, the talent shows. Uh, we just do talent shows. People sing and dance and do impressions. And it's just, I mean, it's just so good. That sounds like a lot of fun. Did you participate it as well? <laughs> yeah, look, I'm not the type of guy who, who likes to do this kind of thing. I mean, I can tell you that, but uh, yes, I did. I did. Uh, I played the guitar and Sarah, our uh, co-founder and, and CTO, sang a song that she wrote, not for the event, but she, she's a musician. I'm a musician too. We, we did that. And uh, it's, it's like on the edge of cringe. But that makes it even better. That's so cool. And I guess also like for, for companies in general, like there's so much conversation about remote work and remote first, and it's very serious. 
and I love it, but it's like, come on guys, like we're still humans. We have to smile. And I think also when it comes to like a place of work, and this is what I personally look for where I go to a location, but also when I work with clients, I just really want to have good people around me. Like who wants, you know, like shitty people around you, just also what we talked about in the beginning. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's very inspiring. And yeah, I, I think companies can learn a lot from that. If someone would want to apply uh, for yeah. a role at Safety Wing, like how, what should that person for sure sort of say on their resume? I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, I don't think there is uh, an equation for this. So I'm a high school dropout, right? So my resume doesn't have anything that is too impressive in terms of education. Mm -hmm. But I started working when I was 15. So it has a lot of experience uh, reflected on it. What do you, my best advice, um, uh, uh, honesty and authenticity. I mean, whatever you did, play it in your own words. Don't link in it. I mean, don't say I'm a public speaker just because you did like whatever thing. Uh, <laughs> um, um, and, well, but, and primarily, most importantly, be honest. I mean, if you're excited about Safety Wing and if you align with our mission, vision and values and you're great at what you do, I think you, you have like a high chance of success. Cool. Well, uh, if you guys are hiring, uh, I think this is a, a really good episode also to learn more about this company so guys if you're looking for a job and you are an awesome person you should definitely check out safety wing because it's so like one of the things i always say is that the coconuts really don't taste that great if you have a shitty work environment that's just it i experienced myself that firsthand i was just like i'm literally drinking this amazing coconut right now in a beach in rio de janeiro and i'm crying too because it's just so like the work stuff isn't great i'm yeah. So yeah, it's really important to be part of a company that um that also wants to give you an awesome life. <laughs> oh yeah. For anyone interested, go to safetywing.com slash join us, join dash us, and you can learn more about Safety Wing and you can see uh some short films that we produced about our amazing team members. I'm very proud of that work. That's really cool. I will add it in the show notes as well. Um, there's one more thing that I want to talk about, and that's obviously like what Safety Wing does, which is um, insurance. When it comes to digital nomad insurances, I know that you guys offer it as, as well, which is really great. When, when this insurance was designed, what are like things that were extremely important uh, for Safety Wing to like include in this type of insurance? That's interesting. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I always say that we are not an insurance company. Mm -hmm. We are creating the first global social safety net and safety nets have an insurance component to them. But to your question, um, I wasn't here. I wasn't at Safety Wing when we designed uh, Nomad Insurance, which is our first product. Basically travel insurance, travel insurance that feels human and that you can buy through the web and it's like hassle-free and um, and the, our second product is called Remote Health, which is like a comprehensive, robust um, health international health, health insurance, right? Um, so I think what makes our product successful is that our model of the world is correct. Uh, we assume that people would be purchasing travel and medical insurance online, and we assume that remote companies with people all over the place will need a solution like this mm -hmm. that is not local 
personally speaking, uh, and this relates to the to the whole digital nomad thing. So when I, as I mentioned, I was traveling with my wife, two kids, and our plan was to keep traveling, and it was great. But my uh, youngest, who's now four, he got ill. He got very ill when we were travel traveling. Nothing related to traveling. This is, he has a like a genetic thing. Um, and without, so I'm a remote health customer, right? And without remote health, we would have been screwed because our local insurance, there, there was no way that it would cover that overseas. We spent a lot of money and we got a hundred percent reimbursement by remote health. Um, so I got to, uh, experience the good that we're bringing to the world. And I think that built into remote health, built into safety wing is this, human approach to insurance and it's not perfect we are working on, on improving our products nothing is perfect everything can be more ideal i guess mm-hmm. but so far i mean we spend a bunch of money we got a hundred percent reimbursement uh, no questions asked people were so amazing with our situation so i guess that's uh, my own personal thingy Beautiful. Yeah. Also, why I'm asking is that because obviously, like your hair safe doing uh, is an important company uh, service provider as well for the nomads. There are still a lot of nomads that are going out and about without insurance. I don't know. Like when I started out my journey, I I didn't even think about it too. But what I really loved about also what you said is you're creating that global safety net. Like even if you're remotely um, traveling remotely or living abroad, like whatever it is, like all those sort of like standard things that, that we need to feel safe and secure and live a good life while enjoying, you know, all, all the, the best fruits of life. Um, yeah, we, st- we still need those things. I'm- I mean, that's, that's one of the use cases. I can tell you my use case. I'm Peruvian, right? So I don't trust my government. My government historically isn't trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Like we have like, four presidents in jail. I mean, this is insane. This is insane. You cannot trust the Peruvian government. I'm sorry, but that's, that's my opinion. Okay. Let's put it that way. So I don't want to, I don't want to pay my taxes in Peru. I don't because I don't live there. I'm not obliged to. And if you travel constantly, that's very unclear too, right? Where do you pay your taxes? Where do you pay your insurance? Where do you pay your pensions? All these questions that are relevant now and will be so relevant looking uh, forward, we are solving for those. And that is a global social safety net. You contribute some money and you get safety for your life and your family for the future. That's so beautiful. The more we are, the cheaper it'll get. It's, It's really, really, really beautiful, particularly for people with my background who just cannot trust the government to run things, uh, it's, uh, it will be amazing. Well, I'm very excited to to see what, what's happening in the future. Thank you so much for also sharing everything today and being so honest and open about everything. I always ask my guests if they have one more question. So before we end the episode today, do you have a question? <laughs> yes. What is your biggest struggle as a digital nomad personally? That is a good one. I think that um, it really depends. Well, maybe having like the consistency of a great pillow, but that's not like the big, biggest one. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I find really hard is that uh, in the beginning, it was kind of creating a good foundation, like financially, friendship, connect, like all these things. Then I was a nomad um, in a nomad couple for three years. That mm-hmm. recently is not there. So I feel like I'm... Now I'm single again, 
I think the change of struggles, I think that like, because it's, it's constantly changing, like my nomad mm-hmm. life a year ago was so different from what it is right now. I don't have the struggle of loneliness. I know that people talk about it, but I think you can choose to be connected. And I, I really choose to be connected. So I have a lot of internet friends, which I love. I, I really prioritize that. But yeah, I, I don't, maybe, I think right now being single again is to take care of everything myself. Like this lifestyle requires so much discipline and planning and all of that. And I think people underestimate that. And when you're with someone, you have a partner, it, life is just so much easier. So I, I guess that's my struggle right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a real one. I, I remember that. Like the upside to that is energy of moving along. That's kind of cool. Like, yeah, things are chaotic usually, but exciting. So that's cool. Yeah. Oh, wait, I have another struggle actually. <laughs> This is so funny because my ex-partner, he really likes serving. So he was mainly focused on going to places where we can serve. And now I don't have to like deal with all of that anymore. So he can like go out and serve and I can go wherever I want. So literally I was looking for my next location and I zoom out on this map and I'm like, holy guacamole, this world is so big and I don't know where to go next. That is true. That's true. You should come to Medellin. It's beautiful. It's on my list and I th- because I'm in Europe right now, I'm doing my little Europe thing, but I want to go back to Latam after September. So I'm actually looking now at like places. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's on the list. Who knows? <laughs> if I'm going, I'm going to ask you for tips. Of course. All right. All right. Um, so if people want to learn more about like uh, how safety wing is like uh, approaching culture, where can they go? Like what's the best place? I think uh, the the link I mentioned before, safetywing.com slash join us, join dash us. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining today. I really enjoyed the conversation. And if you want to learn more about the digital nomad lifestyle, about finding remote jobs, uh, about traveling, everything in the day-to-day digital nomad lifestyle, make sure to keep on listening to this podcast. We have a lot of other cool episodes coming up. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for being here today. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope it gave you more insights into how you can design your own lifestyle. The conversations on this podcast really showed me that there is not one secret way to success. If you want to build a lifestyle that works for you, you will need to put in the work to create a successful life and live it with confidence. This podcast wouldn't exist without the Digital Nomad community. And I'm so grateful for all the guests to share personal stories about what's happening behind the scenes. It's been super helpful for myself. And if you would like to continue learning, don't forget to check out the other episodes.